Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. Foundation of great team performance is exceptional leadership. And in my book, The Impact Makers, focus a lot of time talking about what are the exceptional behaviors of leaders that really make a difference. And we focus on a servant leader mindset. But of course, there are aspects of connection with your team, authenticity, talk about the power of relationships. And I'm really excited today to explore this whole area of positive psychology, what leaders can bring. They set the tone. Lots of eyes are on us as leaders. We're humans. We're subject to the same fears, doubts, the same challenges that our team members face. But yet we're in a unique position as leaders to really be a catalyst, to really lift others to greater performance. And we're going to talk about this whole area a positive psychology, emotional intelligence with Diana Lowe. Diana is the CEO of Blue Light Leadership. It's a leadership development company that's focused on educating, training, and coaching emotional intelligence, especially for remote leaders. And so many of us are now leading teams in a virtual environment. Diana is an executive coach. She works with directors to C-suite executives in Fortune 500 companies, and she's transforming the whole team spirit and communication that's going on in these large organizations. She focuses on using proven evidence-based research around this area of positive psychology to really combat all of the stress and anxiety that we as leaders around the world are feeling from just the economic uncertainty. We've got restructuring, we've got layoffs. We've seen this migration of, of workers leaving their jobs, aka great resignation, all of that 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 leaders are trying to deal with. And Diana is coming in and she's making an impact and a difference. So we're going to get into what that's all about with Diana. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you for having me. Wow. I was so uplifted as you were reading it. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's all true. All true. Well, I can't wait to, to dive in and learn more about this. And I really want to start out because you've had this really interesting journey because you yourself were a corporate executive and you've You've really been on this journey. You've transformed now into a life mission of helping others through coaching. What originally sparked your passion to focus around this whole idea of connection, positive psychology, performance? So my story, I think, you know, I used to think it was quite unique, but the more I get to talk to people and learn about people and, you know, really understand them, I see that I have this common shared um mistreatment at work. So when I started my career, I started, I was uh, in finance. I worked on the East Coast and then I moved to uh, in, uh, London, the city of London, and then later Dublin. And I worked in finance and I just had a series of really uh, abusive behavior bosses, you know, like really they didn't care about, you know, me, you know, they really just for themselves, they cared for their numbers. And through that, through being in that situation, I just, it really, it broke me down, you know? So I had to take some time out. I had to take medical leave and I had to 
go to a place to rebuild myself. You know, I had to go to uh, therapy. I had to talk through everything that had happened because as much as their behavior was bad, I was also complicit in that behavior because I stayed, you know? So I had to really dig deep and go like, well, well, what is it? You know, why did I stay? And, and what is that in me? So my, I promised myself that when I was there in that moment of healing and trying to get better, I was like, you know, I'm going to make sure that this happens to no one else. And obviously I'm not, you know, I can't do every, everything all the time, but I really am keeping that promise to myself. So after I came out and I decided, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life, with my career? I decided that, you know, I have to go into leadership development to keep that promise to myself. And my goal is that leaders who I work with, especially, they're really just aware of other people. They're really aware and they're, they may not be like a hundred percent the saint and how they treat people, but just, they have an awareness of how they're coming off. They have empathy. They see their people. They want to build their people up. And I really think that's what not only, it's not just about millennials or Gen Z or Gen Y. I think even baby boomers wanted it. And honestly, if you go back, I think Gen X wanted it. I think the traditional, they wanted to be cared for. People want to feel valued. And that's really what Blue Light Leadership is about. That's really what um, my mission is, is to help leaders create that value in their work, that culture of caring, right? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, as you were describing that, what, what came to mind, Diana, is, I mean, this was a trauma experience for you, right? Huge. So I started thinking about what we've learned of, you know, people that have um, go through some sort of major trauma and they emerge on the other side and there's a recovery, but then very often that trauma becomes this catalyst to to go on and, and pursue something. Maybe they wouldn't have had the courage to go and do before so that there's an ultimate positive outcome from it, but it's a process, isn't it? It is. And it's a huge trauma. And, you know, I'd like to say that after I came out of that um, facility where I was like, you know, using cognitive behavioral therapy, we were doing a lot of meditation. We were, you know, breaking through walls within ourselves. I'd like to say I came out and everything was uh, with some peaches and cream and everything is yeah. really good. But honestly, I went straight back into the same situation. And I went back into another situation and I was like, there is some sort of epidemic of how people are being treated and it's not right. And it takes good people to stand up to do something about it. And I'm not saying that I'm the only one doing this work. There are loads of companies doing this work. And for that, I'm deeply grateful. Um, but yeah, I, I think even I joined a really good company that I thought had really good intentions and even, you know, I got it there too. So this is really very meaningful and very purposeful. And you're right. Uh, when we can find our way through trauma, it can create so much meaning and purpose in our life. And so for that, honestly, Dan, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the people who are yes. unaware. They brought something out of me that I don't think I could have gotten out of me myself. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, there's been a lot of focus in the business world, certainly uh, increased uh, awareness around this concept of emotional intelligence. I've talked about it even on this podcast over the past few years. How do you define it? What 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 is it really in its essence? I think the easiest way to define it is it's a set of skills that really helps us better perceive, understand, and manage our emotions, and it helps us also 
observe emotions in others so that we can make better decisions. Because ultimately, our emotions affect our decisions, our behavior, and our performance. So if we can really understand the beginning before the decisions, like how we're feeling and where we're at, I really do believe that we can make better decisions by people, by planet, by profit, all of that. Yeah. You know, there's a, a concept that that I've held near and dear over the years, and it's this idea of situational awareness. Mm. And I something that I've seen in just a lot of leaders that, you know, are very skilled, very knowledgeable, and and have very strong personalities is that sometimes there's a tendency, right, to go into this idea of leadership siloism, you know, where where we lose that that situational awareness. And it seems like with emotional intelligence, it's all about being more perceptive and more aware of of your situation, right? And and then how do you translate it into some sort of meaningful decision or action? And I would agree with you a hundred percent. You know, we situational awareness, depending on that, there are different models of emotional intelligence, all all very robust, all very good. So I don't want to speak to one model over another, but there is one model in particular that I like that has situational awareness as a competency and a skill. And I call it like taking an emotional temperature in the room. So when you walk in, really understanding what are the emotions like if you think about weather, right? So what is the weather in the room before you go in and throw lightning bolts or before you bring in the sunshine? Because maybe that's not the right time, right? So when we're more aware of that, and you're right, I think the best and most acute um, bosses or leaders that we have, they really have the strength of that skill. Yeah. You know, one of the things in my background, before I became a marketer, I was actually in the uh, broadcasting business. And I was thinking about it recently, one of the takeaways, you know, it's a big shift to go into more of a business direction. But one of the things that I have taken that has really served me well is in in studying journalism and starting to put that in, uh, applying that craft was thinking about your audience and trying to break it down into even an audience of one, even if you're communicating to many. And so the idea that you have to be focused and aware of who it is you're talking to. So this idea of audience focus to me has then translated over into just always thinking about being situationally aware, uh, you know, and the, and the context of others as opposed to just self. So um, I, I think that's really fascinating uh, where that, where that whole practice is going. And, of course, the other thing, Diana, that we're all dealing with over the last couple of years is how the world has changed through this global pandemic. It's certainly changed the way organizations get work done. It's increased, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, more virtualization in terms of how teams are structured. So given all that, what are you seeing that makes leadership even more challenging given the times that we're in now? You know, I, I thought about this long and hard because there are, as much as things have changed, so many things have stayed the same. And I wonder if we focus on the changes being so different. But I was thinking even back in the 90s, you know, people people work from home. So this is not a necessarily a new concept. What I am seeing, though, is a lack of resilience in people, uh, a heightened lack of ability to really say how they feel in a situation and in navigating uncertainty. And I think there's, it feels mentally 
like an enigma with re- with regards to remote work because I, I hear this a lot where people are, especially leaders are saying, you know, when we were in the office, I knew how to deal with people. And now I feel like I don't see them and I don't know how to deal with them. And let's face it, Dan, people don't want more meetings on their books. People don't want to do more Zooms because they're Zoomed out. So it feels like, well, how do I get to know these people without just spending more time away from my family or on the computer, you know? And I think, you know, I I asked myself, well, were you really that good with people in person? (laughs) Just because you saw them doesn't mean you were intentional, right? It doesn't mean that you actually went out of your way to get to know them. And I've worked with groups, uh, senior leader groups who in five minutes of doing an exercise, they learned more than they had of 40, 30, 20 years of working with each other. So I I think there's, we all have the skill to really get to know our teams. The question is how intentional are we being about it? Yeah, I get this sense that there's a little bit of uh, maybe I'll call it revisionist history or, you know, as people are further removed from the realities of what it was to physically be co-located yeah. every day that there's almost this romanticized, you know, yeah. view of, Oh, wasn't it great? Oh, um, totally. You know, you know, leadership by walking around and, and, and yeah, there was, I'm sure, you know, authentic, uh, spontaneous connection, but at the same time, you know, increased stress and fatigue from, you know, two hour, three hour commutes in these larger urban centers. Yeah. Um, the uh, potential distractions actually of having that open access, you know, for drop-in conversations. Um, so I, I think probably um, we can uh, embellish um, the fond memory of that and, and then lo- lose sight of, at the end of the day, if, if we're committed to authentic connection, that can happen in a number of forms and it doesn't have to be just face-to-face. I agree. And I have heard, of, I've seen a lot of leaders transition from, you know, and, and service-focused leaders transition from this physical workplace to remote. And because they do care about their people, because they are already invested in finding out who they are, and because that matters to them, not much has changed. And they, I think, honestly, when you have a heart-to-heart connection with somebody, and that's not always easy because, let's face it, some people have walls up against their heart, you know, but when you can really... Ha- nurture that relationship and have that connection. It really doesn't matter if you're in person, if you're in hybrid, honestly, Dan, even if somebody's passed away, you know, like those connections still last and um, it's really the intention we put behind it. I believe that. Yeah. There's a song and lyrics that I really like and it's the more things change, the more they stay the same. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, at a human level, that's, that's certainly true. And you work with, a lot of leaders in in different successful companies. What companies jump out? Are there some examples uh, where you would point and say, you know, they're really embracing some of these concepts, right? Around emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and they're really doing things right. You know, I want I to to protect, you know, the people that I work with and the their privacy. I won't point out them, but I do believe that there are a lot of leaders that I work with who they are genuinely working on how do I foster this connection with somebody either I don't know, somebody that is important in my role and I need to influence them. And I've seen this time and time again, and I actually worked with um, one 
senior leader. He was the president of a company and he had to win somebody over somebody pretty, um, pretty, he, he, he deemed very difficult to win over. And after we worked together, he was like, it felt like a Jedi mind trick. It felt like there was so much resistance. And then one day he was just like open and, and amicable. And he was like, and nothing changed except for me. Right. So if you know me, I love Star Wars. So that when he said that, I was like, oh, perfect. Jedi mind trick. So when we really are working on these skills, it does feel like magic because all the resistance in our relationships go away. And you're like, wait a minute. Weren't you the person I really couldn't get along with before? I have seen, let me, I can tell you somebody I worked with recently, a very talented um, director of interior, uh, interior design, you know, and her and her boss were at odds. And, you know, we worked together and she was like, it's so weird because it's like they weren't full best friends, but she's like, it's so different now. And that really speaks to her doing the work that really speaks to his openness, you know, to, to the process. Um, and it's so beautiful, honestly, Dan, when we can connect with people who are not like us, but we can respect who they are. We don't have to agree with everything, but just having that openness to, to difference and working well together, if that affects profits, you know, that affects uh, retention of people that affects how people show up with it with regards to their mental health. You know, it's, it's yeah. beautiful. It's, it's, I'm lucky. I feel so lucky to do this work. I really do. Well, you're seeing breakthroughs all the time, right? The, the, those magic moments when, when you kind of transcend over and then the relationships get to a whole nother level. And something I've seen over my experiences in, in various companies is Sometimes those relationships, when you first start having to work with someone and collaborating, it's not like there's always this instant chemistry. Sometimes that's there and that's wonderful, but sometimes it can come from the most unexpected places. I mean, in terms of the deepest trusted relationships, and maybe it starts out and you're a little wary and maybe that trust isn't there, but then you got to work through it. And if you're, you're committed and it's a process, and then ultimately the strongest relationships could be that were some of the weakest at the beginning, right? But it was this transformational impact versus instant, instantly we're there. It's so true. And you know, that takes time and it takes courage. I can tell you, I'm working with a, um, a director at a big national retail chain. And it's so interesting because this director was taking on a new person, a new person on their team and quite a senior person. And everybody told the direct, the director, man, this person is so hard to work with. You don't want to work with them. Like really placing those yeah. seeds of their experience in her mind. And so she was like, Oh no, I'm going to have to work with this person. Right. And so when we cleared that from the, when we cleared that story up, right. And we said like, that's their opinion. Let's start fresh with your relationship and your she's like, why did they say she was difficult? You know, why, why did they say this? And it's because when you're influenced by other people and you aren't emotionally connected or you don't have the skill set to connect with people or understand to, to know how, you might believe that. You might believe that about people. But I really believe there is far more good 
in people. And as long as we can really manage our own emotions, we have the courage to take action. I really believe that, you know, we can really get the best out of people, even the, even the hardest people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All things are possible. And it's kind of transitioning into a really powerful aspect of exceptional leadership, which is more mindset-based than behavior-based. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, leadership, a combination of both of those. And there's a whole chapter in my book that's devoted to the power of an optimistic mindset. You are the ultimate champion of positivity, Diana. I know that. I am. am. Yes. So here's the question, right? Uh, It's not easy, but how can leaders get there Right, get to that magic place where they are. It just clicks, right, in terms of this positive, optimistic mindset. And then, more importantly, how do they stay there? Oh, I love this question so much, Dan. Um, my one of my mentors says, "Cheerfulness is born from a fighting spirit," and it is my belief that sometimes it is a bit of a fight to stay optimistic. It is my belief that as much as people want to be valued and appreciated, they also need hope, right? And so optimism and realistic in different models, uh, as a competency, we may call it realistic optimism. So you might've heard the term toxic positivity, and that's really, toxic positivity is more on the like delusional side right? So not taking into account real life and things that are happening. But optimism is actually far easier to maintain because what they found in studies, and there are so many wonderful researchers doing great work in this field. And what they found is that 50% of your tendency to be optimistic is in your DNA, right? Mm -hmm. So if you come from an optimistic parent or parents, that's already baked in your DNA. Now, as we're learning in science, we can change certain things within our DNA and epigenetics, but that's another conversation for our next time. So, (laughs) but then 10%, they say is dependent on your place in life. So it depends on, you know, um, how you're living, your circumstances, if you will. And then 40% of that, they realize through research is that is we have control over this. So there are loads of different exercises that we can do to really stay in that positive state of mind. And for me, this is why I love emotional intelligence because Dan, we're human. It's important to be sad. All of our emotions, all of the the things we feel, anger, uh, rage, humiliation, embarrassment, there's all a place for them and they're all important. And the key, I think, to optimism is that resilience. You know, you get hit, it hurts a little, you learn a little bit, you keep the positive learnings, you get up and you try something else and you keep doing that. And I think, you know, that resilience is that key to optimism. Yeah. And taking it back to the leadership aspect of this as as a leader uh, that teams can feed off of the mindset uh, and the behaviors of the leader, right? It sets a tone and where leaders can show the vulnerability of, hey, I've been knocked down before. I I face the same challenges, disappointments, 
uh, that you have. Life hasn't been perfect, but if you can demonstrate your ability to show that resilience, then that becomes inspirational to others. I 100% believe this. And Dan, let me tell you, the stories I read about some of the best leaders, I honestly think it's a privilege to grow up in poverty. It's a privilege to grow up without because the character that is built in those formative years really create create and craft leaders who are caring, who are genuine, who are working for things in terms of working for their people, working for, you know, the wellness of, because they really truly understand the lack. And don't get me wrong. It's also good to grow up and and have everything you need. But when you're in that sort of place where you do have everything you need, you have to add on big dreams and big goals to build that character. That's why I told you earlier, I'm very, I feel very lucky that I had these um, terribly behaved bosses in my formative years because that sort of struggle and challenge to the human spirit brings something else out. You know, it brings the best of us out. Yeah. And uh, in thinking about even the servant leadership mindset, which is all about shifting the focus from self as a leader being the center of the universe to more about being an enabler and an empowerment of the team and lifting up others. There's this aspect of gratitude and humbleness that comes with that, even from people that come from more challenging um, economic backgrounds. You know, there's probably a greater gratitude and appreciation that comes with the well-earned success that they have that, that sometimes you see others that just seem totally immune to that and mm-hmm. uh, almost feel entitled as opposed mm-hmm. to really showing authentic gratitude. I 100% agree. I heard a quote. Um, I believe one of my one of my clients brought it to me, and it was, "Are you? What do? You, oh no, it was not a quote. It was a question, and it was, "What do you have? Or what do you want that you already have? What do you want that you already have?" And I was like, "Wow, that's really powerful." Because you know, we sit in all the things we buy because we want, right. all the, you know, and then complain about it. Right. That's right. Yeah. It kind of puts things in perspective. Now we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence and and the importance of positive psychology. When you step back, Diana, and you work with uh, such a wide range of leaders, when you think about exceptional leaders, how would you describe that? What do you think in the bigger picture fuels being exceptional versus just good enough? I would define being exceptional as being keenly aware of others, their needs, their desires, and their wants. And I think that when it comes from, like when we talk about that that servant leadership, when it's truly from the heart, and and sometimes, you know, we can see it from ego, um, But if it's like from ego in a manipulative place, you know, that feels gross to us, right? But when leaders truly do care about other people and they put their own needs, wants, desires to the side for the moment, that's really where we see some magic happen. You know, I read this um, case study about a manufacturing company in the Midwest and they were going near bankruptcy and this manufacturing company really sustained the whole town. 
So everyone who had jobs there, it was basically um, all the other businesses that surrounded were because of that manufacturing um, factory. And so when they were going close to bankruptcy, the leaders in the company, they could have said, well, you know, we'll just cut the jobs and just, you know, do whatever. But they had such a keen awareness of the importance of that factory to the community. It was like it wasn't theirs, you know, and they they said the all of the people at the top level said, we're going to cut our salaries because we have enough money to sustain us. So they cut the all the leaders cut their salaries. They gave it to the people who needed it. Uh, people who hadn't taken vacation, who could afford to take vacation, the other leaders at the next level, they did that. So they said, I'll take all the time off so you don't have to pay me. And then the people who couldn't do that, who worked in the factory, they had other people um, give them shifts. So they all looked out for each other. So the company was able to weather. I mean, it, this moves me. This moves me. The yeah, company was yeah. able to weather that financial crisis that they had and actually come out better. And that's exceptional. How refreshing to just be reminded of that positive example when we see so often the entire opposite end of the spectrum, right? We see senior leaders cashing in, you know, on their way out, big exit packages as companies start doing massive, you know, downsizing or going to bankruptcy. And great reminder that the, the human spirit and that unselfishness still exists and there are examples and it's, it's very real, uh, very powerful. It's very real, and I and I think that depending on your diet, that so I, when I talk about diet, the media diet you consume, you can be really filling yourself with some toxic um, nutrition in terms of what's actually happening. Because there's a lot of good happening, and we don't get to see it unless you seek it out. Definitely. So, Diana, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received? Hmm. That's an interesting question because what comes to mind is, and so this is more if, if I was looking for a job as opposed to <laughs> running my own business, I was told, and I really stick by this. They said, if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for money, ask for advice. And if you're, no, if you're looking for a job, ask for advice. And if you're, you want advice, ask for a job or something. It was something along those lines. I was like, oh, that's very true. So I know in the past, all the jobs that I've gotten, I was asking for advice, you know, instead of asking for the job. And I, I feel like that was a good piece. But um, for me, another, as I grow my company and as I grow my team, one thing that I think is really important that I really hold dear to my heart is instead of holding people to standards, growing them to standards, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that way yeah. we add that compassion. We add that drive, that motivation to take them from one place to another, as opposed to uh, cutting them down, right? Because they're not meeting yeah. the standard. Yeah. I, I really like that because it, it speaks to a, a different mindset instead of deficit thinking. Mm -hmm. It's more around, again, the um, idea of lifting developing, empowering. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, thank you. And so now I think about that when I work with leaders. 
I say like, how are you growing them to this standard? And you know, if they say, well, I'm holding them to this and I'm like, well, is that equitable? Is that what they need? Maybe they don't have the skills yet. How can you hold somebody to, to something that they can't do? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I know you also are someone who is very forward thinking, right? You don't mm-hmm. stay stuck in the present, but you're thinking, you're thinking, looking ahead. I so what, what's getting you excited about the future? Well, I think, ah, oh, this is such a good question. How much time do we have? So much, so much <laughs> excited about the future. So I think one thing that's more immediate future is we're rolling out um, a public program for emotional intelligence for leaders for group coaching. And I'm excited about this because I feel like it's time. I think there's a demand and I, the more people we can get, you know, engaged in their own emotional intelligence, the more our mission is to, you know, create those dialogues and have that awareness in leaders. So that's something I'm excited about. Um, Another thing I'm excited about is, you know, as much as people hate or fear AI, I'm kind of excited to see how this changes humanity. Um, I'm excited to see how leaders use it, how it changes the nature of how we connect. And like we talked about earlier, I feel very lucky um, because my diet, my daily diet of media or, you know, tasks includes helping people become better. And I can't wait to see what our next generation is going to do for us. Like, I think there's so much good happening, Dan, and we're really working towards profit and planet. And I'm hearing that in a lot, or planet over profit, I'm sorry, like, um, you know, how we work with the environment. So I think there are going to be some really cool businesses. I think AI is going to be really interesting in changing humanity. And then, yeah, just doing this work and in this new uh, business terrain. We always need our hearts, Dan. That's one thing AI will never have. It will never be able to replace that human heart touch. It can probably come close, but there's nothing like, you know, a heartfelt conversation with a friend. Yeah. And I think that's on on the side of people that might be most fearful or, or looking at kind of the doom and gloom scenario. It's like, we don't want to lose that sense of our humanity in this process of innovation and technology. Yeah. 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 And we can, if we're not connected to our hearts, right? So if we're not, if we're not doing this work, if we're not challenging ourselves to dig deeper and really feel and understand what we're, what we're thinking or how we connect with people, then we might lose ourselves. But I think there are enough people doing this work. Um, I'll make sure of it, Dan. I'll make sure of it. (laughs) Your purpose on this planet, I know, will be to continue that very good, that very good and noble mission. So do you have any other final advice, Diana, for leaders that are looking to elevate their own leadership, but also increase the impact of their teams? Yes. Work on your emotional intelligence. And if you don't know what that means, you can grab a book, you can Google it, you can go to bluelightleadership.com. We have a guide there that that's a guide to starting with seven different exercises to start engaging, start working on your own self-awareness, your other's awareness, authenticity, things that are important. Money is important, sure, but it will never replace what humans truly need, which is connection. 
Well, Diana, thanks again for coming and reminding us that very important message about connection and, and its power in transforming teams and in elevating leadership. Thanks again for joining. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an awesome start to my day. And yeah, thank you, Dan. And a reminder to please continue to give us the gift of feedback on how we can continue to make this podcast even better. You can go out, rate, and review. It's so easy to do. Please do that on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Feedback is really important. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.